Welcome back to He Leadeth Me, a podcast dedicated to the spiritual formation of Focus staff, students, and friends. I'm Jessica, Focus's Manager of Spiritual Formation. So today we are going to dive into the question of persistent prayer. During World War II, there was a German Franciscan priest named Father Goldman. And against his will, he was drafted into the German army, and he was forced to serve as a chaplain to the German troops. And this was a really difficult position for him to be in because he hated Nazism. He hated everything about it, but he was forced to do this. And the men that he served as chaplain in the camp, some of them were good men who also found themselves forced to fight in uh, World War II for the Germans, but there were others who were fanatical Nazis. And he describes in his autobiography one of these Nazis, a guard in this camp, who was a very strong Nazi and just a cruel person. Uh, merciless to his fellow soldiers and to Father Goldman, and he made life really miserable. And Father Goldman, as he was serving in this camp, he was desperate. He just wanted to leave. And he heard about a sister who lived in the mountains nearby, and she lived the life of a hermit. She would go and care for the sick during the day and go home in the evening and spend three hours in prayer before the Blessed Sacrament, just motionless, caught up in worship of God. And so Father Goldman went to visit this sister, Sister Jean, and he told her, I can't stay there. I have to do whatever I can to get out of there. And she said, no, you can't. You must go back. You must bring Christ to that camp. And he said, you don't understand this guard He's miserable. I cannot be around him anymore. He is cruel. And she said, what's his name? So he told her the guard's name. And she said, I will take care of it. You leave everything to me and you go back there and bring Christ into that camp. So Father Goldman went back. Three months later, this cruel Nazi came to Father Goldman and asked if Father Goldman would hear his confession. He said he wanted to be received back into the Catholic Church. Father Goldman at first didn't believe him and didn't want to go to a private place to hear this man's confession because he thought it was a trap and he was going to be attacked. But the next morning, this man came to Father Goldman's Mass, and he continued to come until Father Goldman finally agreed to hear his confession and receive him back into the church. Now, after that happened, Father Goldman returned to Sister Jean and said, thank you for praying. There's been a miracle in this man's heart. What did you do? And Sister Jean said, every night when I prayed for three hours before the Blessed Sacrament, I repeated that Nazi's name over and over and over. For three hours, she just said this name to the Lord. And the Lord worked a miracle in that man's heart through Sister Jean's prayer. Sister Jean is a model of the persistent widow. She took to heart Jesus' words that we needed to be persistent in prayer. 
And Jesus often encourages us in the Gospels to ask and we will receive. And particularly, he encourages us to be persistent. He gives us the parable of the persistent widow in Luke chapter 18. And in Luke chapter 11, he gives us the parable of the man who is begging his neighbor for bread and won't stop knocking until his neighbor gets up from bed and gives him the food that he needs. And St. Luke, when he writes the parable of the persistent widow, he introduces it by saying, Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray at all times and not lose heart. When we read these words of Jesus, I think it inspires us. Yes, I want to ask. I want to be persistent. I want to keep knocking. And yet, there are times when we have asked and we have asked. Sometimes for years, we've prayed the same petition, and we have not yet received the blessing that we have asked for. And it's easy to lose heart in those situations. And we can find ourselves wondering, should I continue to ask, or should I change my prayer to not my will but yours be done? Now, I think it's important to point out, sometimes we give up way too quickly. Sometimes God delays his answer for our own good because it teaches us something. It encourages us to continue to come to him and depend on him for everything and hope in him even when everything seems lost. I heard a parable once about a king who had two daughters. And when one daughter came in and asked him for something, he would give it to her right away. And the other daughter, he wouldn't. And she would keep asking and asking, and he would finally say yes. And someone asked the king, why do you do this? And he said, well, the first daughter, she's really unpleasant to me. And so I give her whatever she wants right away so that she'll go away. But the second daughter, I love being in her company. And so I don't give her what she wants right away so that I can continue to listen to the sound of her voice. Maybe God delays the answer to our prayers because he just wants to hear the sound of our voice. He wants us to continue to come to him again and again and again. But we can tend to put a time frame on God's answers and we can give up so quickly. In our modern day, We have so many answers at the tip of our fingers, and we get what we want through the press of a button. We're used to instant gratification. And so when we don't see an answer right away in prayer, we can give up. I'd encourage you to look at your petitions and ask yourself, am I giving up too quickly? Does God want me to be persistent and to keep coming to him and keep asking him? But sometimes when people come to me and they ask, should I change my prayer, Um, they're concerned that they're forcing their own will on God. And I think that reveals something good in their hearts, that they don't want to force God to do what they want. But it also reveals that they're very attached to something. Uh, And it might be that they're too attached to it, and it blocks them from receiving God, or from receiving the other good things that God wants to give them. And so in times like these, someone can say, "Um, do I need to change my prayer to not my will but yours be done? And even the thought of that 
causes an agony in their hearts and they feel like they can't bring themselves to say those words or they can become spiritually depressed. God just wants me to die to myself. He doesn't want me to have this good thing that I want so much that maybe I see other people have. And maybe it's because I need purification. Um, My soul is just so terrible that I had to be made miserable. All of these thoughts can go through people's heads. Um, But they, they find themselves in an agony. And so in order to answer this question of, should I continue to ask or should I pray not my will but yours be done, I want to look at the agony in the garden. When I meet with people for prayer ministry, I like to begin the session with a decade of the rosary. And so I'll tell people, because we're Christian, we are baptized into Christ's death and resurrection, and we receive Jesus in the Eucharist. And so our lives are one with his. He wants to share every moment of our lives, and he wants to share every moment of his life with us. So out of the mysteries of the rosary, which moment of Jesus's life, which mystery do you feel like you're living right now? And whichever one they say is the one that we begin the prayer session with. But interestingly, when people come to me for prayer ministry, about 90% of them will say, I'm in the agony in the garden. And I think that they just really identify with this word agony Uh, to express what their heart is going through in that moment. But they also find themselves wanting something and feeling like God is wanting them to die to what they want and that they need to pray, not my will but yours be done, but they just can't bring themselves to do it. And so they're seeking someone to pray with them. Now, they're saying, I feel like I'm living the agony in the garden. And yet, if I ask them more about this, I'll find that they get the agony in the garden completely wrong. They think that Jesus asked the Father to deliver him from death, but that wasn't the Father's will, and so the Father didn't answer that prayer. And so Jesus changed his prayer to, not my will, but yours be done. Okay, so first of all, the Father always answers the Son. And the answer isn't no Son. The Father always says yes to the Son. So how did the father say yes to the son? The father answered that prayer in three ways. And this is according to St. Thomas Aquinas. So first, as soon as Jesus prayed and asked for that deliverance from death, the father sent an angel to strengthen him. And then the second way that the father answered that prayer is the father gave Jesus the will to lay down his life. St. Thomas Aquinas says, By the infusion of charity, the Father inspired Jesus to suffer for us. This means that the Father poured so much love into Jesus' heart that now Jesus desires to die for us. And then the third way that the Father answered Jesus' prayer, the ultimate answer to the prayer, was the resurrection The resurrection was a bigger answer than just saving Jesus from dying so that Jesus uh, didn't die on the cross. But it was saving the whole human race from everlasting death through the resurrection 
of Jesus. This is the ultimate prayer for deliverance, the ultimate answer from the Father. And if the Father answered Jesus' prayer in this way, we can expect him to do the same for us. One of the problems that I find when people pray asking you shall receive is that they don't really understand Christian prayer. They think that it means that God is a loving Father, which is true, and therefore I should have even more confidence to ask him for good things, good stuff, and he'll give it to me. But this isn't taking prayer nearly far enough because we're not just going to someone outside of us and asking for good stuff. God is living within us. We are one with Jesus, and so it is the Spirit who's praying within us. Therefore, Christian prayer is the most powerful force on this earth but only if we are actually praying like Christians, if we are praying like what we are. To pray like Christians means to let Christ pray in you, and it means to pray with faith. Not faith that just that God is going to give us the thing, uh, because that's looking at the thing and not at the Father. It's faith in who God is, and it's faith in resurrection from the dead. This means that, yes, I can have total confidence that God is going to give me what I ask for because it is Jesus, his son, who is praying within me. And the father always says yes to the son. But I do have to understand that sometimes the father gives me an even greater gift than the one that I have asked for. So when Jesus prayed, thy will be done, and he laid down his life, he did so fully believing that the Father would raise him from the dead. He was looking to the resurrection. But a lot of times when we pray, thy will be done, we're only looking at the death to self. We're only thinking uh, the desire for healing that I have for my relative with cancer isn't going to be heard. Or I've been praying that I will get married, and I guess... Jesus just wants me to be single forever. And we're only looking at the death to self. And sometimes God does want us to die to ourself. But what we have to remember is the Father never asks for a death without planning a resurrection. Those are words that you should meditate on and strive to fully believe them. The Father never asks for a death without planning a resurrection. We need to believe in the resurrection. And the resurrection was a bigger answer than anyone could have expected. So if you've been praying for something for a very long time, and you get an answer, but it's not quite what you were expecting, it's because God wants to give you an even greater gift than what you asked for. I remember once hearing Father John Horn give a talk. Um, he's a priest associated with the Institute of Priestly Formation. And he said that once he was on a retreat and he was meditating on Jesus's words, ask and you shall receive. And he had a memory of being a little boy and praying that his favorite football team would win the national championship. And they didn't. <laughs> and as this memory comes to him in prayer, 
he says, well, Jesus, it's not a big deal to me now, but it was then. And why is it that I asked and I didn't receive? And Jesus answered him, it's because I answered your deeper desire. You weren't necessarily praying that your team would win, but you wanted to know that you were a winner in my eyes. And that's the prayer that God answered, the prayer that truly mattered. So those of you who are praying and haven't yet received an answer to your prayer, I would tell you that it isn't a question of if you should pray, asking you shall receive, or if you should pray, not my will but yours be done. The answer is you should do both. Ask for what you want from the Father and then pray, not my will but yours be done. And pray this believing in the resurrection, that if God asks you for a death to yourself, it's because he's planning a resurrection. Amen.